0: Some years ago, I was coming out of a restaurant in downtown Detroit, didn't realize that God wanted to teach me something. The name of the restaurant in downtown Detroit, I remember it to this day because it was a classroom for me outside the doors of that restaurant. The name of it was called Fishbones. And Joey was waiting at the door, and I already labeled him as a beggar who was going to ask me for money. Before he could make his request, I beat him to the punch and I said, I don't have money to give you, and I'm in a rush, and I said it abruptly. I wouldn't even look at him, but was making my way to the car because I knew what he was wanting, and I knew what I didn't want to give, and as I was halfway across the street, I heard Joey say these words. He says, I wasn't even gonna ask you for money. I was just gonna ask you to hug me today. You could imagine how I felt, and I already prejudged him and I already decided who he was and what he wanted, and none of it was true. And I realized that most everybody on those streets saw Joey with their natural eyes, and especially me with no excuse to see somebody with my natural eyes. And that's why C.S. Lewis's words always haunt me. It's not a pithy quote, it's a sledgehammer that I have to remember, especially on a dense city like New York, as well as Detroit or wherever you go, when C.S. Lewis said, there are no ordinary people around us. You've never talked to a mere mortal. It is immortals. Those are going to live forever, who you joke with, work with. Those people you marry, snub, or exploit. And he says, either immortal horrors or everlasting splendor awaits that individual. Which means, listen to me, church, everyone you talk to will live forever somewhere. Everyone you talk to, every person, every Joey that I have walked by, because I couldn't see them the correct way. Yesterday, as I was leaving the church, because I'm always wanting to get this right, I was walking home, and it was rather fast because it was rather cold, and as I was getting ready to cross the street, there was a man just shaking a coffee cup, wanting money to be put into it, and once again, once again, after praying in the sanctuary, I was ready to quickly cross the church, And I I had it timed because the light just, I saw the the, the light turn and I can cross 57th and and hit both of those lanes. And just when I was about to take the step, the Holy Spirit says, turn back around. Don't leave him. You go do something for him. And I may have missed the light, but hallelujah, I didn't miss God on that day, which I was very excited. I could wait one more light to cross 57th. That's why I kept thinking about the reporter that watched Mother Teresa of Calcutta as she cleaned a maggot-infested wound of a man on the streets of India, only to say the reporter looked at her and said, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars, to which Mother Teresa replied, neither would I, because she was doing it for some other reason. She saw something else. She had eyes to see somebody. See, in, in, in people, Jesus saw that. Jesus Jesus saw what others couldn't see about them, what others deemed and defined as fishermen. Jesus says, no, those aren't fishermen. Those are going to one day be fishers of men. I think John the Baptist saw something, not with his natural eyes, on the first day that that the world is being introduced to the ministry of Jesus. He saw further into the future. It's as, as if John the Baptist saw three years ahead, not with his natural eyes, But God seemed to open up his eyes. That's why the first thing John the Baptist says is, Behold, you know it, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He wasn't seeing a teacher, a rabbi. He was seeing the Lamb of God that would one day be on that cross. He was seeing something different. And there is more to this than I think than just simply seeing people the way God sees them. I think God goes, that's 101 in your learning. It's seeing the way I see people. But I think God has been helping me and and helping us, even here at the church, to see everything differently. See, the moment you become a Christian, you begin a new life of walking by faith and not by sight. That's always the challenge. See, your faith, keep this in mind, should have more authority over your walk than your sight does. Our faith should have more authority then our sight does. What does that mean, Pastor Tim? It means this, that I trust what God says more than what I see with my natural eye. I trust what God is speaking to me than, than making my own definitions and suppositions of a man with a cup or a man who I think is going to ask for money or what, what people see as a rabbi coming in and all of a sudden, The word of God begins to speak to John the Baptist and say, that's not a rabbi, that's a lamb. That's a lamb that will take away the sins of the world. See, that's what 2 Corinthians 5, 7 challenges all of us, that we walk by faith, say the rest of it, and not by... We, When you read the Bible, it's very interesting that we're called believers before we're even called Christians. We're called believers to believe that God can speak, God will speak. And that's why, let me just explain, because this is what we are seeing clearly today, and God needs believers. God needs people that will begin to walk by faith in these last days. I know over the decades, this pulpit has warned, this po- pulpit has begun to, to, to let the church know, not just here in 51st and Broadway, but from around the world through the messages of Pastor Dave, David Wilkerson and Pastor Carter Conlon and continue to use this Pastor Carter, around the world. But this is what we're seeing with our natural eyes today. This is what we're seeing right now in the world that, that we can see. What we see now is, folks, let's just be honest that what is coming economically to this country is gonna be devastating in this next couple of years. That we are on the verge of a recession that economists are saying, like no other. Think about that. Dealing with 8% inflation right now, which means in, if you have 8% in inflation, in 10 years, a dime is worth two cents. That's what's, that's what's amazing, That what you're facing. And we see this coming. It's on the horizon as you're watching from Disney to Facebook to Amazon to Twitter. Everybody laying off workers because that's what we see with our natural eye. What's coming to this nation is What what we're watching take place is we have a nation that is now through legislation beginning to, 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 to promote that right is wrong and wrong is right. They're looking at biblical values and beginning to demonize those very things. Think about this church, what's coming globally, who knows what's next for Russia or what China is threatening to do or what North Korea, that's what we see with our eyes and folks Let's just be honest, what is coming to our children today, what we see in our natural eyes and in the public school and the universities, that moral values and biblical values are being turned upside down, and those that would live by them are being demonized on that. What's coming to our churches, I believe, I've seen it in my spirit, I've seen beyond this. What's coming to our churches is a persecution that if a pulpit preaches the Bible... If a pastor preaches the Bible, it is coming to a place. I'm telling you, church, listen to me. It'll start east and west coast. Then it'll come to a place that, first of all, they'll pull you off of all social media. Then they're going to begin to remove a 501c3. Then fines will come. They'll eventually start chaining the doors of church because you're preaching what the Word of God has to say. And so what we're faced with today, here's here's the The the, one of two questions you have to ask is either you have to ask what in the world is going on or what in the word is going on. Because that's what I want to hold to. Not what in the world is going naturalized, but what in the word is going on, so we can be equipped and ready for what is coming, that we would be able to know that if we can have our eyes fixed on the right thing, God can go with us. That's why. Laodicea, a lukewarm church in Revelation, was told how to get back on track. In Revelation 3.18, he tells them, anoint your eyes with an eye salve so that you may see, so you can see. Folks, I don't think the church today, and I'm not trying to be critical, is even becoming a threat to what, who, who the enemy is. Spurgeon said it like this, I don't think the devil cares how many churches you build if only you have lukewarm preachers and people in them. May may God may God set us on fire. May God set us again on fire. May God do something deeper. I don't want us to be a, I want us to be a church that sees the way God begins to see. The great revivalist Duncan Campbell from the 50s and the 60s says the kingdom of God is not going to be advanced by our churches becoming filled with men but men in our churches becoming filled with God is what he's asking for. And so that's why I tell you that while churches are setting vision for 2023, I, listen, for those leaders and pastors, I, I understand vision and vision statements. But can I just tell you, I, I don't need a vision. I need the vision that God has and the way God wants us to see. We need to see God in godless times. We need to see God. We need to see beyond natural eyes. Men are fainting from fear. You know, I was reading an article. Do You know that they, they are adding new fears every day. Right now there's 800 fears that are now filling the American culture. You can choose from 800 fears today. The new one that just came on, you ready for this? Is homophobia. It's the fear of sermons. How, how are we supposed to see? I think what Paul tells us is that you can face the future if you fix your eyes. Fix, not in reconstruction, but I'm going to show you a fix by way of fastening and a steadfastness. Listen, these are the words that grip my heart this week. In 2 Corinthians 4:18, listen to this. Paul says, "So we, what is it? Fix our eyes." not on what is what? Not on the beggar, not on the cup, not on a nation, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen, hallelujah, is eternal. (laughs) Fixing our eyes on what is unseen. Folks, when I read this, it's almost it's not just a paradox, it almost seems impossible, but it's, it, it's faith. What, what the Apostle Paul, he's asking us to see something beyond our natural eyes. He's asking a church, he's asking Christians to fix their eyes, that we become people of the eternal. But there is more than to, to fixing our eyes, because what he was saying was, he was telling us, That how we see what eyesight we choose really determines if we just give up as a church or even as Christians. It'll it'll determine where our soul is. That's why the context of what Paul is talking about is literally facing outward trouble that is beginning to just weigh on the soul. Let me me read it to you when Paul begins to speak these words. Let me read to you the verses that come just before it. Listen to what he says. Same passage. Second Corinthians 4, he says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not give up. Though outwardly we are wasting away, but yet inwardly, hallelujah, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but hallelujah, what is unseen is where our home is going to be, is where we're going, and where God reigns on that throne. Hallelujah. Now listen, if this, If some of this is a little hazy for you, let me just read it out of a paraphrase. It is is amazing how the message begins to, to paraphrase this. Listen to this. He says, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, but on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. Then he, I love this part. This, that you know, this is just man's word. When he says these, he says these are hard times are like small potatoes, compared to the coming good times that will lavish celebration prepare for us. That's why he says there's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now, hallelujah, will last forever. See, Paul begins to even elaborate and dig a little bit deeper on fixing our eyes. No better place to listen to this man talk about seeing the unseen than him in a place that he doesn't want to see anything that's going on here because he writes these words from a prison cell. Not the ones I just read, but the ones I'm about to read. It's one thing to write it from a study or from your office, but quite another thing when you're writing it from a prison cell, being persecuted for Christ. The prison epistles in the Bible, when you're reading them, these are where Paul is writing from a jail cell. He writes Ephesians and Philippians, Colossians and Philemon. That's why take note when Paul begins to write these letters, he is writing from a dungeon. He's writing from chains. That every word that Paul will pen in this Bible that, that we read in the New Testament in those prison letters, think about it. He's writing and you hear the clanking of the chains as he's writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is where Paul, or how Paul, tells us to fix our eyes. Look what he says here in Ephesians 1.18. From a prison cell, written as a prison epistle, he says, I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened. He was telling us, don't see what's in front of you, see further. See something that your natural eyes can't see so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance, he says, with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Look at that phrase again, that this man in prison, this prisoner, is writing. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Folks, you know what I started to realize? That as a believer, either you live by the eyes in the head or your eyes in the heart. That's the way that you live. When I walked across that street from that man, Joey, who was the eyes in my head, as I almost walked across 57th, thank God that that my eyes and my head switch to the eyes in my heart. To see it the way God does. When you look at this nation, you you have to decide from from the school systems to the legislation to all that's happening, you have to begin to say how God can we see this from the eyes of our heart? And that's why Paul writes this from that place that if anybody should be seeing with his natural eyes, it should be Paul, but he says I'm seeing something different from this prison cell. I'm seeing that the eyes of my heart are becoming enlightened here. And I want to just take a few minutes today just to tell you that Paul prays for the eyes of our hearts to see three things. That when you see with the eyes of your heart, he says you're going to know something that literally will carry you through. And these are the things I've been praying. That God fix my eyes. Even before I have to turn from 57th and go back because I missed it. I want to get it before I even cross 57th. I want to get it before I even get there. There's a song that we sing, and maybe we'll sing it at the end. It's a song called Waymaker. You know the song. It says, you are here moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. And then you get to that great chorus that says, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. But the part I like the best is when all of a sudden we're finished singing the verse and the chorus and what they call in the music when we get to the bridge. And this is what it says. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working, which means he says, if I can't see it, if I can't feel it, it doesn't mean that he's not doing something. It's God saying, open up the eyes, enlighten the eyes of my heart, not these eyes. I already can see we're messed up, but when I see through the eyes of my heart, I'm going, God is in control. God knows exactly what he's doing. God is on the throne. God is able to do that these natural eyes define impossible. But these hard eyes say, God is able. God can bring us out. God can send a revival. God can revive his church. God can move again. God can touch and move in our schools. God can send revival. Hallelujah. Even when you don't see it. He says you have to see this. This is what he says. That the eyes of your heart may see these three things. Let me just read them to you. And just speak to them very briefly. He says that the eyes of your heart may see. Here it comes. The hope of his calling. That the eyes of your heart. I'm just taking this right from the passage. This is what he's writing in prison. Chains clanking. And somehow his, the eyes of his heart... Because I want them to see the hope of their calling. He says, I also want them to see the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And then finally, we'll close with this, the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Now, folks, those are a lot of words. So if I can just even bring them down, I, I just started to look at this, and this is what I've been asking God to help me with. Paul, I, I just kept feeling, Paul wants us to see that God's call to us, God's love upon us, and God's power that's with us. There's power, there's love, and there's calling. And those are the things that I kept asking God. I said, Lord, I want that hope of your calling. God, there is a glory of the inheritance of, of that, that, you are, that you have in the saints, and God, there is a surpassing greatness of your power. It's God's love, it's God's power, it's God's calling. Let me just give you just a few things. Here it is, number one, God open up our hearts, open the eyes of my heart today, that number one, for God's call, God's call, the hope of his calling, is what he says. This word hope is different than what anybody else would say today. See, this hope, when we use it, is this expectation that something good is ahead, that God has it. God is going to be involved in our future. Hope is expecting something that God is going to begin to step into a situation. That's why when you have, when you have hope, you're not afraid of tomorrow. You're not afraid of Monday. Listen, folks, I, I, I've got, after five years, you go in and your mind plays tricks on you, um, and... Tomorrow, I'm not trying to put out my business here, but let me just go ahead and say it. Um, I, tomorrow, I have a colonoscopy because I'm 58 years old. Let me just tell you this. So all of a sudden, the, the thoughts come in. You're going like, man, when you wake up, what are they going to say? And then the doctor goes, let's do a You're 58. Let's do a colonoscopy and an endoscopy. Then all of a sudden, I'm going like, "Okay, God, it was a good run. I was here for two years. It's all over at this point. It's all done here." And and all that comes back to my mind are the words of George Whitfield. He says, "I'm immortal until God calls me home. I'm immortal till God." Comes. It doesn't matter what a report is. It doesn't matter what it is. I, I want to see the hope of His call. I know what He's called me to do. And so whenever that happens, that's why I love what the old Puritan writer Thomas Brooks says. He says, hope can see heaven through the thickest clouds. It can see heaven, it can see God through the thickest clouds. How, does, how do you get that hope? There's no better place. Here it comes. Here's what Romans 15 says. Paul writes this. He says, now may the God of what? Fill you with joy and peace in believing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah so that you will abound in hope. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, you want hope? You need the Holy Spirit. Because you can't get hope apart from the God of hope. If you're looking for, folks, this world is changing. I'm just telling you, I'm trusting in a God that doesn't change. Because when you have hope, you get joy and you get peace. And that's why Paul is going, fix your eye on his calling, the hope, and I love this part, of his calling. What does that mean? See, his calling is, it's like this verbal word. It's this reminder, here it comes, that God is always talking, that God is speaking today. Let me explain it to you like this. This is what brings hope, joy, and peace to me. Jesus, let me say it like this, Jesus is a present-tense savior. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? Here it comes. Any other religion and their leader you have to speak about in the past tense. It goes like this. Buddha lived, E.D. Muhammad talked, E.D. Allah spoke. Listen. Listen but with Jesus, all of his verbs end in S, because he has been risen, he is raised from the dead. That's why I could say this, Jesus speaks, Jesus works, Jesus talks, Jesus reigns, Jesus, I'm telling you, you can say that because Jesus is alive today. And still speaks today. I serve a risen Savior. And he's in the world today. No matter what comes. I believe this. Remember the old chorus? And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he guides me along life's narrow way. Why? Because he lives. That's what God is. So when you think of his calling, Paul is going, he's a God who speaks now. What is he saying, Pastor Tim? He's calling, the hope of his calling. He's calling people to salvation. He's calling people to obedience. And here it is. And he's calling people home to eternity. He's calling people every single day. Some of you are sitting here or watching online. He's calling you to have a relationship with God to be born again. You're wondering what in the world is going on in my heart. He's talking to you right now. Some of you have been walking in disobedience and you're going, why do I feel this way? He's talking to you right now. Because some of you are sitting here, I'm just, I'm just telling you, some of you are walking in disobedience and you're wondering, what's that thing in me? It's God's voice, it's his conviction. That's what's happening. And there's that call to eternity when God calls us home that call to eternity when God calls us to heaven. You see, that's why I believe even the call to eternity is is God stepping in and speaking to us, going, I'm going to usher you there. I I think about what happened with Stephen in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 7, that just before Stephen dies, I think that the Bible gives us a glimpse of the eyes of our heart, beginning to see God is involved even with the saints' transition into glory. Listen, just before Stephen dies, the Bible says, before Stephen gets called home, the Bible says, but Stephen, remember we talked about how do you get hope? You need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and what? Saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And then he says, look, he said, I see heaven open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. I, I have this sense that the enemy tries to say, you need to see death, you need to see that as through natural eyes and Stephen is saying, no, 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 if you see it correctly, you get to see you get to see what God when God calls us home, it is not something full of darkness, it is something the full of celebration when God calls us home. Folks listen, I, I like I said, you just as, as you get older you, and, and death gets closer, you have to realize, I can't see it this way. I have to see it from the eyes of my heart and know that it's a call back home. It's a call to eternity, which is the final reward of what God wants to do. I, I, was, I was reading the story of when, when, when an older saint saw, saw it the wrong way And it was the story of Henry Morrison after 40 years of faithful service as a missionary to Africa. 40 years serving in Africa as a missionary. His wife and and he were returning and were landing right here in New York City on a ship. And as the ship neared the dock, Henry looked out over the railing and this giant crowd and a band was there playing. And he goes, look at this. They didn't even forget us but he didn't know that on the ship was the president, Teddy Roosevelt, who was on a hunting trip to Africa, and he's serving the king of kings in Africa, and they're playing band music for a president that just came back from a hunting trip. When Roosevelt stepped from the boat with all this fanfare and cheering, flags were waving, bands were playing, reporters were waiting, and Henry at first thought this was for him, and so not only mistaken, but literally thought to himself as they were before they hailed a cab to go to their one-bedroom apartment. Henry told the Lord as he's coming down how bitter he was that the president gets this homecoming for a wild game hunting trip. But no one met us. Nobody met Henry Morrison after 41 years. This is what he saw with his natural eye, and God had to help his heart and enlighten his heart. He says, when I finished, he wrote in his journal, he says, when I finished complaining to the Lord, it seems that the Lord spoke to my heart and and I said, no one was here to welcome me home. And he said, then I heard a voice, but Henry, you're not home yet. (laughs) Folks. I can't wait to see what happens when Henry, when Henry gets to heaven and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit. I would love to have been there when the angel band struck it up and said, now you want to see something? This is what happens for my faithful ones. This is what happens for my servants. Folks, I'm just telling you this. The more I see with the eyes of my heart, death is not something to fear. It is getting ready to go be with our final reward, what God has called us to. I want to see with these eyes, the eyes of my heart. And that's why he tells them very quickly. He tells them have to remember God's love is also on you. Not only God is calling you, but God's love is on you. The riches of the glory of the inheritance and the saint. Now this is the part, I'm not going to spend long on this because I want to quickly close here, but the second part probably had the most impact on me, and I'm still beginning to just digest it. I have read this over and over again, but I couldn't seem to get it. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Let me say it again, the riches of the glory, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I kept thinking, God, what does that mean? You want me to see your calling, the hope of our calling, call to salvation, a call to obedience, and even when the call comes to go home. But you're also wanting me to see this part, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What what does this mean? This is the Apostle Paul going, you have to understand, you are God's inheritance. You are God. What does that mean, Pastor Tim? Inheritance is what is left over after a full life. Inheritance is what, it is God saying at the end of your life. You are God's inheritance. You are God's. God's love is upon you. You are what God not only ends up with at the end of time, but fights to have this inheritance at the end of time. God wants you, God loves you. He doesn't, this is why that that we are fought against not to finish this race. God wants, you are his inheritance. You, you're his inheritance. This is why he came. He didn't come 2000 years ago to start a church. He didn't come to sit there and go, let's start a denomination. He came for your lives today. He came for every single one of you. Whether you're watching, listen, whether you're watching from Slovakia or Russia, from Hong Kong or Nigeria, you are the inheritance of God. You are his inheritance. That's why the enemy fights. I was reading the old spiritual writer A.W. Tozer just recently in his book, The Dangers of Shallow Faith. He tells something about the original Olympics that we know nothing of. He said, the, the races that used to happen in the early Greek Olympics, there was, it, it was totally different than the races we have today. This is what he said. In the early Greek Olympics, they said, with any long-distance runners, think about if this happened today. He said, in the long-distance races, he said, there was always what they called a scoundrel who would hide with a long javelin that as you were trying to finish the race, they were throwing it at you. Can you imagine that in like an Olympic track race that you have people trying to take them out physically? That's what would happen. So as they're running long distance, he says they, they had people, in fact, this is what I love. Uh, Tozer goes, they called the man who threw the javelin at the legs of the runner, they called him the Diabolos, the devil. I'm going, that's a great name. That he didn't want them to finish the race. That was the goal. Folks, don't you wonder why you're getting attacked every single day? There is a devil that's going, I don't want them to finish. I don't want them to finish. They're God's inheritance. But I've got good news for you. Here's what Paul said. He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He said, shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, the diabolos, nakedness, danger, sword? No. In all these things, we get to keep on running. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And here he says this. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons that are present in the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, our Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah stand up i'm done i have hallelujah hallelujah if you want number three come to the one o'clock service hallelujah but i will say this he says god open up the eyes of our heart that you would know that you're his inheritance he loves you he wants to get you home he wants to get you to heaven that's why the moment you say, Christ, come into my heart, the Diabolos is there to hinder that race. But we have a God who loves us so much, he says, I'm gonna get you home. I'm gonna get you home. It's the hope of his calling. It's a God that's speaking to you right now. It's a God that's talking to you right here on 51st and Broadway, Or God who's talking to you online, he's talking to you in Haiti, talking to you in Chile, talking to you in Peru, he's talking to you in Brazil. God is talking to you in St. Lucia. You know, when I kept thinking about this, that the eyes of our heart, when he says the final thing that he says, that, that, I'll just say this one part because I think it's so important, I promise you that I'll tell you why I read those nations. It's realizing the power of God, that he gives us weapons to fight God inside of us. Open the eyes of our heart that God has equipped us with power a power beyond ourselves, to pray, to believe. I wanna to read to you something that came to the church last week, two weeks ago, when we were reading out the nations like we did today, on Sunday, before we go into the message. I want, I want you to, to fix your eyes on the unseen, that every time we read those nations, don't just think, oh, this is the preliminary. See with unseen eyes that a nation may be spoken, and you just go, Okay, God, do something in that country. And this is what we got. They said, Pastor Tim, do you remember a few weeks ago you prayed for a lady when you, named Ellie from Russia when you read the country Russia? We got on our chat line online that this was her first time, so she's watching from Russia. You shouted her out one Sunday because she came to church for the first time from Russia. She's been watching us faithfully ever since and appreciates the prayer for the Ukraine and Russia. But here's her quick testimony. Listen to this. She wrote, my father is a pastor of a small church in a rural town in Russia. And after you pray Times Square Church for God to move in Ukraine and Russia, several people who stopped going to church gave up on God many years ago unexpectedly returned and came back to church and she wrote only God can do this and said thank you TSC for praying for us that all of us that's why every Wednesday night when I'm seeing Pastor Carter here and we and we have the worldwide prayer that comes from our Bible school and when you have the opportunity whether you go up there or tune in online do you understand there's an unseen power that's working that when you start to pray from some for someone in Scotland or the Philippines or Staten Island in Connecticut, God goes, I can go into action from from the Bible school, I can do that. From 51st in Broadway, I can call prodigals home. How? Because I've given a power, I put my power inside of you. And that's why this is so important that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly. To open up the eyes of our heart God I want to see this I want to see this the right way and there's no better place that you could see this happening and this is why I want to pray for you today and simply I'm just gonna read you the words and let you let them sink into your soul it's a prophet praying for a servant so you need to see from here not here surrounded by so much that was impossible to overcome This is what it says in 2 Kings chapter six, when Elisha prays for a servant. It says, and the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army, an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city, just two people. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Here it comes. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them those who are with us then here it comes eyes of the heart get enlightened Elisha prayed open his eyes Lord so that he may see and the Lord opened the servants eyes not these eyes these eyes and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha folks if you could just see that those who are with you are more than those who are with them. God is with you today. I don't know if you're like me, balcony, main floor, and those that are watching online, that you just need eyes to be fixed, heart eyes to be fixed today, just to be fixed. I've been praying this. God, just enlighten my eyes. Let me see this the right way. And if you're here today, and you just go, man, too much is coming from here. Oh God, open up my eyes. You are speaking. You love me. I'm your inheritance. There's a power beyond anything I can know. I've been trying to do this myself, but God, I trust your power, I trust your love, and I trust your voice. If you're here today, balcony, main floor, online, we're gonna pray for you also. And you just go, Pastor Tim, like that church, laodicea anoint my eyes god that i may see like elisha praying for a servant to open up his eyes that's what we want to just simply do today i want to pray for you in fact i want us to ask that god is going to open up our eyes wherever you're at in this place main floor balcony if you're here today just say pastor tim just pray because these natural eyes are starting to control there's fear there's doubt even as I'm getting ready to go into this Christmas season, there's stuff that's starting to build up and I'm just going, God, let me just see the way you see. Let me see with my heart eyes today. I just want God to anoint your eyes today. I want something special to happen online and right here. And if that's you, would you as, we're we're gonna sing that great bridge, even when I don't see him, he's working. As we sing this, I want you to come, quickly, wherever you're at, I want to pray for you, wherever you're at in your seats, quickly, come, you can come right now. I want to start praying for you. balcony. Just find your way. Our ushers will help you. I want you to find the egg. I want you to come. I want us to pray for you right now. God would open up the eyes of your heart because so much natural is being seen, quickly, come wherever you are. I want to... And Father, we are asking for an anointing upon the eyes of their hearts. That Father, the eyes, their natural eyes, have seen, Father, those things that have begun become discouraging. Those things that have taken away hope, even of the future. There are parents here that are thinking, what are my children going to face? There are people here, there are people in this place, oh God, that, that can't even face this Christmas. But God today, enlighten our eyes of our heart today. The hope of His calling. The glory of the inheritance and the saints, oh God. The riches of the glory of the inheritance and the saints. And God, today, the surpassing greatness of your power. I pray that God, in this place, I pray anoint our eyes today. Let us know that there are more for us than there are against us today, Lord Jesus. Father, those that are watching from even countries that are under persecution, we say open up the eyes of their heart today. Open up their eyes of their heart today. We pray for those, Lord God, that, Father, are in the families, that, God, that, that if they knew that they were believers, that there would come, Lord God, great persecution. We say, open up the eyes of their heart. Let them know, oh God, that you're going to talk to them. They, God, they are the glory of your inheritance, the riches of the glory of your inheritance. God, for those that are in this building right now, we say, God, let them know your power is there. Your love is there, Lord God. Let this be a day that, God, you are switching us from seeing with natural eyes to seeing with the eyes of our heart. Enlighten our eyes today. Start with me, O oh God. Start with us as a church. We need, we need, oh God, to know that you are going to begin to lead us, oh God, into this next, into this next year, Lord Jesus. But we're going to see it not from man's vantage point, but with God's eyes, God's eyes. We're going to see it with God's eyes. So Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do for every single one of these today, that you're going to speak to them. You're going to speak to them. You're going to speak to them, God. And we're going to believe for that right now. We're going to believe for that right now, oh God. We're going to believe for that right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let me just say this before we close. We're going to sing this one more time. But before we do anything else, let me just tell you, there is no hope of the future unless the God of hope is in our lives. It's impossible. Folks, just just when you think you, you can get a good day or a good two days, then something hits the news, something happens, something begins to go on, all that. Folks, how do you see the future? God in you becomes the hope of glory. God, being in church is not going to change you, but here's, here's a great Bible word. Being in Christ is what changes you today. Being in Christ. I'm so happy you're here and I'm so happy you're watching online. But the most important decision you can ever make today is to get the God of hope in your life. Not simply get Times Square on your schedule, but get God in your life. And here's the joy. And God walks with you every single day. He talks with you every single day. That's why Christianity isn't coming to a place. It's coming to a person. And today that can happen today you can be born again that's what the Bible says it's a term that Jesus uses he says just as you were born the first time and have a physical birthday this is a second birth and it happens inside it's God being doing something inside from the inside out that's why you can you cannot get good enough to come to God we're all sinners and God takes us in the condition we're in, and that's why He's the only one that can change us. But it has to be us admitting first that we're sinners. It's us realizing that there's not a program, a prescription, there's not a promise you can make to make you, any more, lov- make you more lovable to God. He already loves you. That's why He died for you. And that work on the cross, let's just keep this in mind. When He died on the cross, He was becoming our sin bearer. He was saying it's us believing that God sent his son to die for us that we couldn't get ourselves to heaven. There's no way. It would be ridiculous for God to go, do your best to get to heaven, but, but, but I'm going to send my son to, to die on the cross. It's, it's, it's a, the worst form of child abuse. Why would you send your son to die and then tell humanity, do your best to get there? Only that sin sacrifice, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, is the only thing that can rescue us today. God, son, began to die for your sin and for my sin and changes from the inside out. His work inside of us can happen right now. It could take place, but when we begin today to understand that the only way hope comes is when God is inside of us. And today, if you're here in this place or online and say, Pastor Tim, I'm in this building. I'm in this church, and I sang, but man, God is calling me now to salvation, to be born again. And when you pray that born again prayer, I wanna be part of that. I wanna start a new walk with God today. I wanna to start a brand new walk today. Pastor Tim, I want to be born again If that's you, online and in this place, and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born again prayer, let me be part of that. Let me start that journey with God. Don't close your eyes, don't bow your head with everybody looking around. Because this is the best place for this to happen if you say, put me in that prayer, I want to start a journey with God without any hesitation. Hold up your hand as high as you can. Hold it up as high as you can. Come on, keep them up. Keep them up. All back there. All down here. All over here. Balcony, I see up there. Thank God. Got you over there. Thank God for all. Come on. Can we pray this together? Let's all pray this. Say these words with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, You took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. I like this part. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, Don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.